in the small town of Gilmer, Texas, nothing could prepare them for the disappearance of a 17-year-old girl named Kelly Day Wilson. What began on January 5th, 1992, would lead investigators down a rabbit hole of satanic rituals, acts of murder, and even cannibalism. Join us as we discuss the disappearance of Kelly Day Wilson and the Texas Satanic Cannibal Cult. of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. I am Aaron, one of your hosts today, and the other one joining me is Danielson. Yo, what's up? Today's episode is the disappearance of Kelly Day Wilson and the Texas Satanic Cannibal Cult. But before we hop into it, like always, uh, let me do a quick announcement. We don't run any ads or take any money from corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, a written review on iTunes helps the show tremendously. If you don't want to leave one, though, that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, if any of you would like to reach out to us, you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website and click the contact button, and there you will find our email address. Also on our website, you can leave us a voicemail. With that being said, today's episode is the disappearance of Kelly Day Wilson and the Texas Satanic Cannibal Cult. So strap in and strap on, Daniel, because this one is going to be crazy. I'm ready. All right. So to get into this Texas satanic cannibal cult, we have to talk about the disappearance of Kelly Day Wilson first because it all starts there. So, Dan, let's talk about exactly what happened the night of Kelly Wilson's disappearance. On the night of January 5th, 1992, 17-year-old Kelly Wilson was working at Northeast Texas Video, which is Basically, it's a place where you rent movies at. Yeah, no, no streaming videos. It's all you go there, pick up your VHS tape and go home and watch it. That's right. So that night, Kelly was working at this video store alongside the store manager, Joe Henry. At 8.30 p.m., Joe and Kelly closed up the video store. Joe locked it, and that's when they supposedly said their goodbyes for the last time. Real quick here, before we continue, let me explain something. So in case some of you don't know, most small businesses that earn a lot of cash each day, they usually have a worker compile all the money each night when they close. Then that worker takes the cash and puts it into a deposit bag, and then they go and drop it off at a bank. Now, these banks aren't open at night, but they do have an area where you can slide that deposit bag in. And then in the morning, the bank tellers pick it up, they count the money, and deposit that cash into the person's business account. Okay, now we have that explanation out of the way. Dan, you can continue with the story. So that night, Joe and Kelly left the store at 8.30 p.m. They separated ways. Kelly went to her car and drove to the local bank to make her usual nightly deposit for the video store. 
Now, there was surveillance video at this bank that showed Kelly going through the drive through to make the deposit. But the video was so grainy because back then it was a 120p resolution. It, it made it hard for any investigators or anybody to actually try to make out if it was actually heard in the driver's seat. Um, also, another side note, the deposit bag was in the bank drop off the next morning. So she wasn't robbed. So that's out of the question. Anyways, back to the story. Just got to say, so pretty much the video is like a bunch of images of Bigfoot where it's all grainy and shit. You can't see it. That is a <laughs> that is an excellent comparison, Dan. I would have to say, yes, imagine the blurry ass footage of Bigfoot. That is exactly what Kelly Day Wilson's video footage looked like. Oh, man. All right. So Kelly had told her parents that night that she was going to spend the night at her friend's house. However, early that morning, they got word that she never showed up to that friend's house. So, of course, Kelly's parents were kind of pissed, but mostly worried. So they decided to call Kelly's boss, Mr. Henry, at 6 a.m. to see if he knew where Kelly was. Of course, he said he did not know where she was. So Kelly's parents then proceeded to call the Gilmer police to report her missing and then went to go look for their daughter. So Kelly's mother, Kathy Carlson, and her stepfather, Robert Carlson, alongside the Gilmer, Texas police, they ended up finding Kelly's car parked in front of her workplace, which was, of course, the video store we talked about. However, Kelly was not inside of it. The police ended up searching her vehicle, and her purse was found inside of her vehicle, but it was untouched. And a bunch of other things were found, too, so the rest of her belongings, but they weren't touched either. However, something weird here. The keys to Kelly's vehicle were not inside of it. And also, one of the tires had been slashed. Ooh. Bunch of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever did that. So the next morning on January 7th, the Gilmer Police Sergeant, James Brown, contacted the media. He asked them for help in notifying the public that Kelly was missing. And also stating that anyone with any information to contact the Gilmer Police Department. So over the next few weeks, Hundreds of volunteers directed by the sergeant spent thousands of man hours searching the backwoods of Gilmer, Texas to see if they could find any clues or even her body, but nothing ever came up. So for the next two years, the Gilmer police sergeant James Brown made it his mission to find Kelly Wilson. He spent evenings and even vacation time trying to track her down. Like he took vacation. So this police sergeant in that town was absolutely dedicated to it. He ended up becoming super obsessed with the case and spent hundreds of hours of his own time tracking down leads outside of his regular police duties. It was even said by former Gilmer police, and I quote, we have never worked harder on any case than we did with that one. Three people know what happened to Kelly Wilson, and two of them are still alive. End quote. By the way, the uh, two identities of the individuals were never stated. Dun, dun, dun. So this seems like your typical disappearance case, right? I mean, it's your normal person disappears. Everybody searches for them. You never find them. Yep. And that's the end of it. Well, this case is unique because it takes a gigantic turn straight out of left field and smacks you right across your conspiracy theory fucking face. <laughs> so to better understand what happens next in this story, 
we need to talk about what happened in 1990 first before we move ahead. So let's go ahead and discuss that. Dan, can you tell us just a little bit about 1990? So the year is 1990. Kids were playing Nintendo, watching DuckTales, and body slamming each other like Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you something, brother. (laughs) (laughs) However, in the backwoods of Gilmer, Texas, lived Wanda Hicks and Wendell Kerr, which, according to court documents, the kids there were having a very terrible time there. Yeah, I know what some of the listeners may be thinking. Okay, we're back at Gilmore, Texas, where Kelly went missing. It's 1990, two years previous. But what the hell do Wanda Hicks and Wendell Kerr have to do with anything? And why are kids having a terrible time there? Well, we need to talk about these people because they connect to Kelly Wilson's disappearance. But let's first talk about Wendell Kerr. So it's early 1990. Wendell Kerr was then married to his wife, Loretta Kerr. But Wendell was unhappy with their marriage. He told Loretta that he wanted a divorce. So shortly after telling her this, Wendell started dating a woman named Wanda Hicks. A few weeks later, someone called CPS, which is Child Protective Services, and reported that Wendell had been sexually abusing his own children. I, uh, I wonder who called them. Maybe it was the ex-wife, but we aren't going to speculate. Anyways. So what happens next after CPS is called, Dan? Not long after the allegations of sexually abusing children, his own children, Texas opened up a case against Wendell Kerr and assigned two state child welfare workers, Ann Goer and Debbie Minshew, to investigate the allegations. So back to Wendell and Wanda. They had been dating for some time and now were living together in the backwoods of Gilmore, Texas, on what was called the Compound. This compound was a plot of land in the middle of the backwoods that had multiple trailers on it. Wendell's parents, Eugene and Geneva Kerr, owned the land, but they all lived on it together along with his brother Danny and two family friends, Roger Don Holman and his wife, Tammy Jo Smith. God dang, it's a lot. It's a lot of people, man. It's a decent amount of people there. So, okay, I I feel like we need to backtrack a little because that is a lot of people. Okay. So I'm going to run through this real quick. We're back in Gilmore, Texas, 1990. Wendell Kerr gets divorced from his wife, Loretta. Wendell ends up meeting Wanda Hicks. Loretta calls CPS on Wendell and said that he was abusing, sexually abusing his own children. So the state of Texas opened up a CPS case on uh, Wendell Kerr. And Ann Gore and Debbie Minshew were the investigators that were assigned to Wendell Kerr. And then... It talked about the compound, which they all lived on with Wendell's parents, Eugene, Genevieve, and his brother, Danny, and two family friends, Roger and Roger's wife, Tammy. So since Wendell and Wanda were dating and living together, Wanda's children from a previous marriage was also included in the questioning by the CPS workers, Ann and Debbie. So upon questioning those children, Wendell's children and Wanda's children, they begin to tell the investigators, Ann and Debbie, uh, that they were being tortured, molested, and sodomized by their parents, grandparents, and various strangers that lived or that came over to the compound. They also told stories of murder, dismemberment, post-mortem rape, and cannibalism of babies and children by the abusing adults. They also told 
of abuse, including satanic rituals involving masks and knives. And also, here's something else. The initial medical examination of the children found genital and anal scarring consistent with sexual molestation. We're now going to go over in more detail of these accounts of what the children said, but I kind of want to warn you ahead of time. This is pretty graphic. Um, if you weren't really comfortable by what was just said, I would kind of not listen to the rest, but this is just a warning. So just let you know now, turn it off. If not, venture forth. So Dan, can you tell us some more detail of, of the accounts of what the children said? So one child said to Ann and Debbie, and I quote, I collect bones. I collect people's bones and all kinds of bones, animals and people. The child said that the window of Wanda taught them how to collect bones. This child also was quoted as saying, like, if it's an animal, then you dig the eyes out and you cook them in the microwave and eat them. Mm. What the hell? That's just nasty. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that is. Can't eat animals. What the hell's wrong with these kids? He also mentions that Wendell and Wanda taught him how to keep animal bones in one box and human bones in another. The boy also said that before he had so many bones that he had different boxes for white people's bones and black people's bones. And one for only animal bones. How do you tell the... What? Yeah, man. But he acquired so many bones that he had to put all his people bones together because he didn't have enough boxes. Ah, at least he brought the people together. No more segregation of bones. That's right. This boy then told Ann Gore of how Wendell Kerr said he was going to cut off or cut his own leg and bleed out to where the child said very matter-of-factly, Now, if Wendell cut his leg and died, I would have to tear the meat off so that I could save the bones because I would really have to put that in my bone collection. What the hell? That kid's fucked up now. Yeah, hold on. Is that the same kid talking about bones? Yeah. Okay. So, another one of the children told now this is a different one from the bone boy he told how he was forced to watch a baby being killed and later told to kill a baby himself he then told of how he washed the baby's heart and brain and in detail described how he gutted the baby and removed the brain the child went on to describe how this was done over the kitchen sink and how the blood was collected the boy then changed his demeanor and appeared quite frightened as he had remembered being told by Wanda that if he had told anyone, he would have been killed the same way. That poor kid. So all the children made a reference to a devil's quote-unquote pot in which blood was kept when they were cut. So they told of how Wanda cut their hands and made them bleed into this devil's pot. So that was a, that was a little... Weird. Yeah. So there was a reference to a pregnant woman in a large hole dug in the ground where they made a large fire. One child had severe panic attacks when bandages were applied. And when asked, why do you not like band-aids? He replied back, Wanda put tape over my mouth. Her tie my hands down. The children referred to sex as making honey. And they also spoke of handcuffs being tied to the floor. White powder being sprinkled on cake and being served coffee that had something else in it. White powder sprinkled on cake. You think they're giving them kids cocaine? Oh, no, it's just powdered sugar, Aaron. Probably. Yeah. I hope it's powdered sugar. Man, that's... Oh, God dang. All right, so let's continue. 
So after hearing all this, what did Anne and Debbie do? The two state workers, right? If you had to take a guess, Dan, what do you think they did after they sat down and heard of the bone kid? And then they heard of one kid talking about he saw a baby being killed and then described how he gutted and removed the brain of one baby. What do you think the CPS workers did? I hope they would have just taken the kids out of there and just did something with the parents or the family. You would think that, right? You would think that would be the way to go. But instead, (laughs) instead, they went and recruited two private occult investigators. Yeah, they went and hired additional investigators. Wow. These investigators were Brooks Flegg and Steve Baggs, and they were to assist in an investigation of these accounts by the children. You know, just like any normal state worker would do, they'd just go and hire some private occult investigators, right? That's weird. Anyways, well, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. So in total, 15 children connected to this family they would end up being removed from their homes and ended up being placed into foster care. And uh, the county ended up assigning a special prosecutor to this case, Scott Lyford. He participated like super close with this investigation. So uh, let's get into Scott Lyford. So Prosecutor Lyford decided to do a search of the Kerr property to look for evidence and back up the stories of the torture and the human sacrifice that Ann and Debbie had said the children were telling them about. He got a search warrant and raided the compound. He found three shallow grave-like depressions in the soil, a shovel with blood residue on it, an area matching the children's description of where the abuses occurred, two devil masks, and a blood-stained mattress cover with four knives by it. That was exactly what the children said to have been used to murder and dismember children. Items were retrieved from the Kerr household as well. These were devices used to restrain and torture the children. Finally, plastic bags were found buried on the Kerr property, containing bone fragments. Before Lyford took his evidence to the grand jury, the Texas Human Skeletal Identification Laboratory issued a report stating that the remains were most probably human. And then another report from a different laboratory, filed months after the indictment was issued, concluded that the remains were not human. Hmm. Some conflicting reports, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, conflicting reports about the last part. The top part, I mean, is open and closed case, in my opinion. You find all the shit that all the kids are saying. You go on the property and find devil masks, bloodstained mattresses, knives that the kids were saying they used to murder and dismember other children and babies. You find torture devices. I don't know, man. Anyways, this is where the story of Kelly Wilson's disappearance that we spoke about earlier And this cur satanic child abuse shit start to overlap and get really weird if it isn't weird enough yet. So this is where the crossover happens. Do you remember me talking about the Sergeant James Brown that got obsessed with uh, investigating the disappearance of Kelly Wilson? The one who was doing it in his free time and everything. So while he wasn't... Yeah, taking his vacation and actually doing the investigation of her disappearance. He was, like, obsessed with it. So while he was doing that, that Scott Lyford guy, the the special prosecutor, he was investigating the Kerr case. So they were both investigating at the same time. So just kind of keep that in mind. So in uh, 1993, one of the children taken from the Kerr home and placed into a foster care 
who is only identified as R.S., as in Romeo Sierra, he claimed, or it claimed, that Kelly Wilson had been abducted, raped, and murdered by the Kurs. So, of course, as a result of this claim that Sergeant James Brown, his investigation began to overlap the investigation into the Kurs. He started looking into this satanic cult and this claim that this kid made. So Sergeant Brown started investigating the Kurs and their involvement with Kelly Wilson's disappearance. He focused on Wendell Kerr first, a key suspect, but quickly concluded that Wendell was not in the state of Texas at the time of Kelly's disappearance, and that, in fact, he was in New York. Sergeant Brown met with Special Prosecutor Scott Lyford, whom had been assigned to the Kerr case to discuss his findings. Sergeant Brown told Lyford about Wendell Kerr being in New York at the time of Kelly Wilson's disappearance and openly expressed his skepticism about the satanic cult story. This pissed off Prosecutor Lyford, to say the least. This Kerr case was Lyford's baby and nobody was putting it in the corner. Damn right. So Special Prosecutor Lyford decided to tell Sergeant Brown, and I quote, I am investigating the disappearance of Kelly Wilson now. I don't want you interfering, and if you do, we're going to have a problem. End quote. Ooh. Some fighting words. Oh, yeah. So you remember that one kid that we talked about earlier, that R.S. Romeo Sierra, the one that claimed Kelly Wilson had been abducted and raped and murdered by his family, right? Yep. So a few days after Special Prosecutor Lyford told Sergeant Brown basically to fuck off, well, that kid R.S., he ended up adding additional details to his account of Kelly Wilson. Do you want to cover those? Yeah. The mysterious R.S. kid said basically that Sergeant Brown was involved with the disappearance of Kelly Wilson, that he saw him come over and help out with torturing and murdering her. He then went on to say that the police would not help, that they were also bad, and described in general terms a person resembling Brown as having participated in the sexual abuse. Adding more fire to Sergeant Brown, Connie Martin, who had been dating Wendell Kerr's brother Danny Kerr at the time, had also said that Sergeant Brown was involved in the ritual murder of Kelly. She gave a notarized statement which said the following. I'm, I was going to put on a girl voice, oh, but you I'm just going to do, do my regular foot. You got to do it. My you name is Connie Martin. I live in Gilmore, Texas. No, I'm just, okay, just going to go with the normal. Do that. Yes. No, I can't. The people will hate me. I'll get, I'll get hate from it. I can't do that. No, I think they think it's funny. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> my name is Connie Martin. I live in Gilmore, Texas with Danny Kerr. We are not married. I was present when Wendell Kerr and Danny Kerr, Don Holman, Wanda Kerr, and me drove into... <clears throat> Dude, I can't do that for too long. <laughs> <clears throat> and me drove in, in, into Gilmer, Texas in Danny's van. We picked up Kelly Wilson at a video store on the square. We drove back out to Eugene and Geneve Kerr's compound. Eugene, Tammy Smith, and her son Raymond, and my two sons, Danny and Daniel, were there. Danny and Wendell led us all back to the woods. They made me and Wanda have sex with Kelly. She didn't want to. They made her. Danny and Wendell made her have sex with them. So did Geneva, Eugene, and Don Holman. Tammy Smith was there. They kept her quiet by putting tape over her mouth. After they were through, they made me and Wanda take the kids back to the house. 
I don't know what they did with her after that. I gotta say, who the hell names their kids Danny and Daniel? Because Danny's like a nickname for Daniel. Yeah, what if? I feel offended. Yeah. All right. So even though there was no forensic evidence to support this story, and the case hinged entirely on unreliable eyewitness testimony, murder indictments were handed down to the entire compound. The grandparents, Eugene and Geneva, their son Wendell and his wife Wanda Hicks, Wendell's brother Danny, and the two family friends, Roger Don Holman and his wife Tammy Joe Smith, as well as Gilmer Police Sergeant James Brown, all were charged with the murder of Kelly Wilson. You know, it seems kind of, I don't know, convenient whenever James Brown and uh, Lyford bumped heads that all of a sudden that R.S. gave an additional statement and said that Sergeant Brown was involved and then that girlfriend of Danny Kerr's at the time uh, gave that notarized statement that said that she was there. I don't know. It seems eh. Anyways, but I guess we'll get to that here in a minute. This is the final act. This is the final bit of it. So what did Special Prosecutor Scott Leifer do after he quote unquote solved the case? Well, he went to Robbie Wilson, which is Kelly's father, and said the following to them. I am proud after many years I have finally solved your daughter's disappearance. Now, this turned out really bad for Lyford <laughs> because Connie Martin ended up recanting her statement and said she made it all up. <laughs> Damn. I don't know. Can you take it back? Even though after you got it notarized and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, this left special prosecutor Lyford with the only other evidence that he had, which was the social workers report that the child RS had said that, they witnessed the murder. Faced with a shaky, shitty case, the Attorney General's <laughs> office reversed Lyford and got the court to dismiss all the murder indictments. Recently, the Child Protective Services transferred Ann and Debbie to other duties and began an investigation of their conduct in the case. I would too, fucking hiring a cult investigators. Oh, come on. Yeah. Sergeant Brown was reinstated at his position as a police officer, but ended up quitting and said that he had lost all faith in the justice system. Rightfully so. I would have done the same thing. Yeah. So in 2001, Brown and the Kerrs filed separate civil lawsuits against Scott Lyford, which was the prosecutor, and the CPS workers involved. Their suits were dismissed by a federal district court on what were essentially grounds of qualified immunity, is what they call this. It's basically government officials cannot be sued unless certain grounds can be met, such as a denial of civil rights. What type of fuck, what type of bullshit are they, are they running, man? I want some of that qualified immunity. <laughs> that's what I want, too. Anyways, so that's the case and all that happened, but it doesn't end there. Now we're going to go over some strange facts and findings in both of these cases. And then afterwards, we'll go over some suspects. And then we'll wrap it all up with our thoughts and theories. So, Dan, you want to hit us with the first strange fact? Of course. So, upon the arrest, one of the Kerrs was given a form to fill out that included a question about annual income. Don't know, she wrote. As her parents' address, another defendant wrote, Don't know address was raised children home. Yes, they spelled address with only one D. This shows the level of education here. Yeah, you can kind of speculate if 
okay, if they weren't that educated, obviously they're not going to be that much of a thinker, right? Yep. So maybe they could easily influence into a story that somebody wants them to believe. Very true. Um, another strange fact is that Kelly Day Wilson's vehicle, it was never fingerprinted. So that's a little weird. Figure that's like one of the things, one of the things they should have done. Yeah. I mean, isn't that like the very first thing they do? I don't know. So next one is Roger Don Holman. Remember him? He was the family friend of the curse. He was one of the people living in the compound with the Kurs, was primarily a bus driver, but at one time he had been a reserve police officer for the Big Sandy Police Department. Holman was accused of sexually abusing a child in Gladewater, Texas, but those charges were eventually dropped. Holman was known to be a religious fanatic and would quote scripture while being questioned during his interrogation into Kelly Wilson's disappearance. You imagine that? If you're sitting down and you're like, so, sir, where were you January 5th, 1992? <laughs> and the Lord say, they're like looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> anyway, that, I thought that was weird, you know? Yes. All right. Another strange fact is that there is a rumor when you go through the interwebs and you start digging this up, you will find that there's a rumor that Sergeant Brown he had been dating or quote unquote seeing Kelly Wilson at the time of her disappearance. Now this is just a rumor. Okay. And Sergeant Brown denies ever actually meeting or knowing Kelly Wilson, even though he did say that she may have served him coffee once when she worked at a golden corral in Gilmer, Texas. Hmm. Which is odd because he knew specifically that she served him coffee. This strange little facts like these that make you switch your position on who you feel sorry for, right? Because I felt sorry for him and how Lyford treated him, that special prosecutor. But then it's like, "Mm, why would Kelly Wilson go with the Kurs unless Sergeant Brown was with him and she was dating him, trusted him? Went with him. They took him to the woods and killed her. Eh, I don't know. He was dedicated to the case. Maybe he was dedicated to covering up. But we'll go over that at the end. So there's something interesting to add to this theory of or this rumor of Sergeant Brown dating Kelly Wilson was that before Kelly's disappearance, Sergeant Brown put in his resume for a position at the Winsboro Police Department. But he was denied. So when asked about it, the chief of police at Winsboro was quoted saying, and I quote, we do not want to hire someone who is known to associate with high school girls. Oh, oh. damn. His business is out there. That right there. Oof. What do you think of that? Busted. No, I'm just <laughs> I almost maybe spit my water. <laughs> God dang. All right. <clears throat> November 16th of 1994, the Gilmer police released a statement that five boxes of the evidence from the Wilson case were stolen from the police evidence room. The boxes contained copies of the records in the case. The originals were forwarded to the attorney general's office. And guess what? These are also missing. <laughs> What happens to this shit? Is there like a bad chain of custody 
when it comes to most of these cases we come across because a lot of these have stuff that are stolen or taken away. Evidence always mysteriously disappearing. Yeah, kind of pisses me off. Anyways, so those are some strange facts, but all of this still leaves the question of what happened to Kelly Wilson. So let's discuss the suspects. So suspect number one, Chris Denton. Chris Denton was Kelly's boyfriend at the time. He was known for having a hot temper and was seen having an argument with Kelly the night before she disappeared. He sold his car only one month after Kelly went missing by traveling to Louisiana and had a dealer ship his car to Mexico. My God. Damn. So when investigators tracked down the car, they found strands of hair inside and noticed the truck mat was missing. Chris also had a shaky alibi on the night Kelly disappeared, and he took a polygraph test and failed it. But, I mean, none of that really matters now if we're talking about solving a case because he died of cancer in 2004. Damn. Yeah, that's the first suspect, Chris Denton. So who's the second one? The second suspect, Brent Ward. Brent Ward is Chris Denton's cousin, who claimed they were riding around in a pickup truck together on the night Kelly went missing. He also failed a polygraph test. In 1995, was convicted and sentenced to three years in prison for perjury after lying to a grand jury about being at work on the day of Kelly's disappearance. Timesheets showed Ward was not at work, and his supervisor testified that Ward had asked him to lie to law enforcement and provide him with a false alibi. Ward supposedly told his supervisor that he and two friends had been at the video store messing around with Kelly 15 minutes before it closed. Hmm, weird. All right, let's go over the next guy. Michael Abibi was a 17-year-old high school acquaintance of Kelly's who was the one who slashed the tire on her car. He, uh, he actually admitted to, to the tire slashing and served 90 days in jail. But he claimed it was just a random act of vandalism and denied all knowledge of Kelly's disappearance. And that's all we have on him is that he just slashed her tire and that's it. But that puts him as a suspect. So. Yeah, that little shit slashing tires. Yeah, what's wrong with you, baby? Our final suspect, Joe Henry. Y'all remember who Joe Henry is? He's the owner of the Northeast Texas video. And he was the last person to see Kelly alive. It raised some red flags when he was arrested for possession of child pornography in 2004. But authorities reiterated that he was never considered a serious suspect as he had a pretty solid alibi after he left the store that night. The alibi was that he was taking care of his mother who was failing health at the time. All right, so those are our suspects. But I have my own personal theory about what happened that night. You want me to get into it? Go for it. All right, so after researching this case for hours, for weeks, for months, which seems like sometimes years we were researching it for, Dan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're sitting there, look up at the clock, and it's been 32 hours straight of us researching it, right? We call up Gilmer Police Department, tried to get them to answer some questions. They hung up. We got in contact with multiple people involved with the case. They all hung up with us. Nobody wanted to talk to us about it. However, one day we'll be reputable uh, investigational people, right? Yeah. Investigational journalists. One day we will be, and people will answer our calls. Anyways. All right, so this is my guess of what happened. Okay, are you ready? Ready. 
So it's the night of Kelly's disappearance. She gets out of work. She gets into her car and she realizes her tire is slashed. So she continued on to drop the receipts off at the bank nearby and at some point ran into her boyfriend who admitted to driving around with his cousin that night. Possibly offers to help with the tire, but after heading back to the video store parking lot, changes his mind, giving their fight the day before. He was possibly still upset and seized the moment of vulnerability and ended up killing her, which that is my guess. It is the boyfriend who did this, Chris Denton, killed her, ended up discarding her body in Louisiana somewhere in the swamps, ended up shipping the car to Mexico, where the investigators then tracked it down, noticed his mat was missing, and then found strands of hair inside of it that led to nothing. But he failed a polygraph, he had a shaky alibi, but he died of cancer in 2004, so we'll never know the truth. That is my guess. Okay, okay. I mean, it kind of makes sense. There is one thing that did like catch my attention, though, about what Brent Ward said, the Chris Denton's cousin. He said that okay. they were at the video store 15 minutes before it closed, messing around with Kelly. Yeah. Wouldn't the manager or the owner, Joe Henry, know about that, too? But he's never said nothing about it. Ooh, you hit a plot hole. Reopen the investigation. Reopen. Daniel solved it. Reopen it. All right. <laughs> so my theory on it, Joe Henry and Sergeant Brown are in cahoots. Uh-oh. Sergeant Brown supposedly was seeing her, and Joe Henry is, well, a pedophile. He watches child pornography and was charged with possession of it in 2004. So that probably back then he probably had some more or had some back then. Started his collection. Who knows? Oh, my God. Also, if he is a store owner and you had a 17-year-old female working for you, wouldn't you want to make sure she actually leaves the parking lot and such before you dip out? Yeah. He just straight up sees her, buys her the car, and just leaves. I feel like that is just a lie. Her tire was slashed. Only one of them. I'm sorry, but... I've driven where I punctured the side of my tire on a stormwater drain with the metal lip. Yeah, I got a little too close, but I was able to make it a little ways down the road until bam. You definitely know you got a flat tire. Yeah, you do. So her making it to the bank and back is hard to believe. I feel like she probably dropped off the deposit, went back to let her boss know. He abducted her and conveniently little old BB saw a car all alone and a tire that had just the perfect roundness tire and that it ticked him off. So why do I throw Sergeant Poop? I mean... Sergeant Brown Bomber, he was already seeing her. I'm sure he probably stopped by a few times to check out the underage talent, which with seeing the interest Joe has as well, pretty positive he noticed the same thing the sergeant did. So they ended up having to work together to keep each other from being caught. Sergeant Brown Bomber made sure that the search and the case went away from Joe and focused elsewhere. Yeah, the sergeant was charged with the murder, but he knew they didn't have much to go on. And the general attorney was more focused on the satanic cult. So the case was already, well, let's just go ahead and call it as it is. It was totally foobar. Yeah, it, it was. The whole entire case was completely messed up from the very beginning. Absolutely crazy. I mean, that's all we really have on it. That's where it sits right now. But this whole disappearance of her is weird. The Wenda and Wanda Kerr and the satanic kid thing. That... That whole thing is, you don't even know where to go. That's why I thought this was such a good story for us to cover, right? Yeah. You don't know where to go in this story. It's so much information. It goes so many different ways. It's weird. Yeah. Whatever happened to Kelly, the culprits, 
the culprit set it up perfect, I guess you could say. Small town, satanic cult, they're going to get the more attention. You know, girl goes missing, it's upsetting, but you're going to pay attention to one girl or a cult that's eating babies and kids and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and then at that time, there was kind of like a satanic panic going on. That's right. So the, the, whoever set it up, like you said, set it up perfect to where they weren't even going to be looked at, just the satanic cult would be. But then it makes you question, what were, were the kids talking about? You know, with all the babies being murdered and all that, isn't that worth looking into? Yeah, that and, you know, the one kid knew exactly how to friggin' gut kids or, like, tear meat off of bones to collect the bones. And, yeah, gut kids and uh, take their brain out. So weird. Anyways, that's the disappearance of Kelly Day Wilson and the Texas Satanic Cannibal Cult. Do you have any final things you want to say before we move on from this, Daniel? I still, I still think it's Joe Henry and Sergeant Brown. All right. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's the boyfriend. He did it. But to be continued, we don't know. We don't know what happened. We probably never will know what happened. So all we can do until then is speculate. Yep. But uh, write us and let us know who you think uh, did it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on it. Yeah, if you find out any more information, of course, let us know. So with that being said, I guess let's move into a couple voicemails we'll go over. Then we'll do the iTunes reviews and ratings. All right. So this first voicemail is from Yeetmaster6420. So we're going to play that right now. Mom, I'll take the trash out in a minute. I'm trying to play Minecraft. <clears throat> oh. Sorry, guys. Um, you might have known me as Unominous, a.k.a. Big Dipper. And, well, I think now I'd like to be known as Yeetmaster6420. And, well, I love you guys. People don't say that enough nowadays. Also, kneecaps. All right. Keep it easy and stay breezy, San Diego. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeet Master 6420. You know what? He's right. We don't say kneecaps enough. It's exactly right. So, were you here when he called or when he left a voicemail last time? No, but I've heard about it. Yeah, so he left a great voicemail a few weeks ago. A little bit, Little Dipper, Big Dipper. And, uh, I mean, we can't call him Big Dipper anymore. We got to call him Yeet Master 6420. Yeet Master 6420. Thank you for the voicemail. Thank you for the love. Man, stay safe out there and keep playing that Minecraft. And kneecaps. All right. Uh, So this next one is from Anonymous. So we'll play that right now. Yo, I want to see you guys' the show is the best. This is Dale from Canada. I can't leave a written review on iTunes, but here's my support. Have a great one. Dale, I want to say move on over. I want you to make an extra room for me up there in Canada, okay? Canada, eh? I'm going to come live up there with you, okay? Number one, love your accent. Number two, I love Canada. Number three, I love Dale. So thank Dale. you for your support. Thank you for your love. It's all right. You can't leave an iTunes review. Totally fine. We'll take the voicemail love just as much. Exactly. 
Yeah. Thank you. But tell him, Dan. I love you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Knee clips. All right. So thank you, Dell. All right. That's the end of the voicemails. Now we go to the ratings and reviews. So the first one we got this week is from Ricky underscore A. He left a five-star review on March 13th with a subject line that reads, A good listen if you don't have a stick up your ass. <laughs> he goes on to say, Hey, it's Ricky A. Thanks for putting me on Ghost 3. You guys are awesome. Don't change nothing. But I have a request on a subject, if possible. The Fourth Reich and the camps that they had, that they had Nazis living in in South America, like Argentina, and did human experiments up until the late 90s. So, first of all, thank you, Ricky A., for the five stars. Thank you for the love, and uh, not a problem for putting you into Ghost 3. Uh, if you submitted your story, we put you in, so just want to thank you for submitting it. But I've, Now, I've heard about the Fourth Reich. I've heard about Nazis living in South America and Argentina. I have not heard about the human experiments up until the late 90s there in that specific area. Have you, Dan? I have not. So it's something we're going to have to look into. Uh, but it's definitely, it's, it, yeah, it's on our list now. So thank you, Ricky, for the love, for the support, and we will add that to our list. All right, this next one is from Strawberry Ragdoll X. It was left on March 15th, and it is five stars, with the subject line that reads, Best podcast I've heard. They go on to say, Hey guys, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. I love listening while working because it keeps me thinking while unloading merchandise. I love the intros because it shows off everyone's light-hearted personality. I hope that y'all can touch on a topic uh, on the similarities of urban legends and many cultures. I like to think that we're all connected in a way and, and specifically in some of the things we fear. Love you all. Thank you, Strawberry Ragdoll. Uh, <clears throat> urban legends and many cultures. That that is something we're gonna have to review and go over. Is that's something we're gonna have to go over? Is urban legends in different yeah. cultures? There's a lot of them, but they're all so good. There are definitely a lot of them. But that is definitely added to our list. But thank you for your love and your support. And I'm glad we could be right there with you while you're unloading merchandise. And I want you to remember to please lift with your legs. So take a deep breath right now. Use your legs. Bend down, and then stand up. Bend and those then kneecaps. Exactly. Well, not the knees. Tell them, but the knees. All right. Well, thank you again, and we love you. Yes, thank you. Okay. This next one is from Nikki G ninety three one four. It was left on March seventeenth. It is five stars with a subject line that reads "Love you guys." They go on to say, "I'm so glad I discovered this podcast. Where can I find a pic of you guys? I need to match a face with your sexy voices, especially Kate, especially Kate's tongue emoji. My Ooh. new girl crush." Ooh, so uh, thank you for your love, Nikki. Thank you for your five stars. Thank you for your support. Um, hmm. Pictures of us, we aren't going to really show actual pictures of ourselves just for uh, privacy reasons, but maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. So maybe. thank you for that. Yeah, maybe just for you. I don't know, though. I don't, I don't want no model agency to be calling me, bugging me. Oh, yeah, you, how many times did they call you that one time? Oh, man, tell you, all I showed was like the top part of my head and phew, fucking phone Just blew the top up. part of, just the top section of your head. 
It was your face wasn't even involved. No, they were like, "That's a nice fucking top head right there, dude." I gotta tell you, <laughs> my Asian jeans. I got some nice fucking hair. You do. <laughs> I have to. I have to say, you do have it. Come here. Let me touch it. Come here. Here you go. Here you go. Come here. See, that's that's some nice hair. That is some nice hair. All right. Thank you, Nikki, for the love. All right. We're going to move to the next one. So the next one is Little London, left on March 18th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads, Great podcast. They go on to say, Just came across this podcast. Love the content, and the cast is great as well. Kate's voice is super sexy. Thank you, Little London. We will let Kate know of that, and that seems to be a popular theme. Yep. So is my nut sexy enough for you? No, I'm just kidding. Does it not turn you on? Oh my God, don't, don't fucking do that. <laughs> I will unplug this computer. <laughs> All right, but thank you, London, for your love. And uh, we'll continue serving you knowledge nuggets in your ear hole. That's right. All right, this next one is from City of Angels, left on March 19th. It is five stars with the subject line that reads, Dope. They go on to say, love the show, love the facts, and the theories. Keep up the good work. I got a lot of scary stories from my father and mother from when they were young. Hopefully I can share some with you as time goes and they can make it on the show. Well, hey, City of Angels, thank you for your love. Thank you for your five stars. Uh, go ahead and submit them if you want. You can go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com slash contact or you can just go to our website. Click on the contact button. Excuse me. And you can find our email addresses there, which is Aaron at Theories of the Third Kind or Dan at Theories of the Third Kind. Or you can go to our social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can DM us on there and send your personal stories in through there. We'll storm under Ghost Stories 4, which is, it's, it'll be a few months until we go over that. So um, just letting you know, unless you have some Ouija board stories, and that will be before that because we'll cover Ouija board before that. but. Send them in, and uh, we'll cover them. But thank you again for the love and the five stars, and uh, keep doing you. That's right. All right. So this next one is from AKM19223. It was left on March 19th. It is four stars with the subject line that reads, Enjoyable. They go on to say, I really like the content here. Good range of topics and discussion, and three personalities, opinions, make for good combo and interesting listening. I see some hate on the digression in episodes, but what real conversations don't go off track here and there? Thank you, AKM. Uh, I agree, Daniel. I mean, sometimes there is some, uh, and we digress in some episodes, but I think it's gotten a lot better here recently. Yeah, I so, think it has. Yeah, but thank you, AKM, for your love, for your support, and for everything. <clears throat> Fucking Corona. All right. So this next one is from Ellen Swan. It was left on March 21st. It is five stars with a subject online that reads dope. They go on to say, yo, this is awesome. I am obsessed with creepy stuff. And I came across this. It met my expectation. And it is so good. You have to watch this in all capital letters. P.S. Can you guys do an episode on the man from Torrid? The man from Torrid. Thank you, Ellen, for your five stars and your love. And uh, the man from Torrid. Didn't we already cover him on a Thoughts and Theories, Dan? Wasn't that that guy who... Hold on. I'm going to have to look that up real quick. From Torrid. The story arrived at the Japanese airport. Yeah, we covered him on the time traveling episode. It was the guy who arrived at the Japanese airport, and uh, he had a passport, and he said he was from the country Torrid. Oh. But there was, like, no country named Torrid. 
but I think barely glazed over that. That's like all we said about him, which we could cover him. I mean, I'm down to cover him. Put him on the list. You, you, you just made the list. But thank you, Alan, for the suggestion, for the love. We love you. All right, this next one is from Kinsey Sway 23, left on March 21st. It is five stars with subject line that reads amazing. They're going to say, I'm a huge conspiracy theorist lover, and I just stumbled across this podcast while searching for new conspiracy podcasts. It's my new favorite podcast. I love you guys. You're funny, and I feel like I'm just listening to some friends talk. I heard on a podcast someone say a bad review about a girl saying it would be better without her, when actually she is my favorite. Love her voice. Don't listen to the haters and keep up the good work, guys. Thank you for the love, Kenzie Sway, and for the five stars. And I'm glad we can be your new favorite conspiracy podcast. Definitely. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can keep up that love. And if you got any suggestions or anything, shoot them our way. Oh, show. All right. The next one is from Gina Gee 7 left on March 21st. It is five stars with a subject line that reads, Liddy. they go on to say i really enjoy hearing all y'all i stumbled upon y'all and i've been binging for two days thanks for the awesome content no 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 thank you gina gee seven for the five stars and for the great review all right this next one of course is one star we always gotta have that one person but it's fine so this next one is from Bigfoot Stacy. It is March. It was left on March twenty second, and it is one star. It is a subject. Subject line reads: "Never get, never get that time back." They go on to say, "Listen to the allocated Crowley episode." I assume that Bigfoot Stacy meant Alistair Crowley episode, but hey, it's autocorrect. So, anyways, not gonna bash y'all. It takes a lot to get these things going and keep it going. However. The dude who was trying to be funny, stop it. You're very annoying and not actually funny at all. Kate, love the sound of your voice. Do your own show. I listen till the end, but I can't deal with the one dude. Very, very annoying. I mean, dude, just shut your mouth. Kate even had to ask you to get out of the room. Good luck. <laughs> well, all right. Not going to bash you, but give you one star. Okay. Uh, so she was talking about, clearly talking about Donnie in the Aleister Crowley episode uh-huh. because Donnie kept chiming in and, and kind of bickering with Kate and Kate told him to leave the room. So, uh, makes sense, <laughs> but <clears throat> we'll pass on the word to, uh, Donnie and Kate and tell Kate to start her own show. So just for you, Bigfoot Stacy, but thank you for the, uh, review and we will pass that forward. Yeah. I like the name though. Bigfoot Stacy. I do like it, yeah. All right, next one is from Lal O. It was left on March 23rd, and it is five stars, with a subject line that reads, Awesome, as always. They go on to say, Great podcast these last few weeks. I'm finally all caught up, and I just want to let you guys know you guys are doing great. Anytime soon on the Las Vegas shooting, a lot of interesting stuff. Keep being great. Love you all. Take care. Uh, thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the love. The Las Vegas shooting is on our episode list, isn't it, Daniel? It is. And it may seem that when you guys have suggestions that we always say that, but I'm being completely honest. We have a giant list of what episodes are next, and they get moved up and down depending on the suggestion. Like if there's someone's like, hey, I want to listen to that one, then we'll bump it up, and we'll keep bumping it up till it gets to the top. Oh, yeah. So 
keep suggesting what you want to suggest and we'll keep bumping up the ones you guys want and we'll eventually get to them. Nothing stopping this train. We're going to keep pumping out episodes, you know, unless the Corona gets us, which it's already gotten some people. <clears throat> All right. Had to get a swig of some water. We only got six more. Nice. All right. So this next one is from 46. It was left on March 25th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads awesome podcast. They go on to say, Hey everyone. I just want to say that I really enjoy the podcast. I love the blend of seriousness and the humor. It's really refreshing and entertaining. I'm always looking forward to new episodes. Thank you, 46, for the love, for the five stars, for the support. You're awesome. Thank you. So this next one is from Sweaty Balls. It was left on March 27th. It is five stars uh, with the subject line that reads, Picked it on its cover. They're going to say, You guys were my first pick when I searched Conspiracy Podcast, and you did not disappoint. Doing a fantastic job. I'd love to listen to an Isaac Cappies. Keep IP the good work. I'm guessing he meant keep up the good work. Uh, and that's it. So thank you, Sweaty Balls. And um, so their suggestion, Isaac Cappy. Now, if I recall correctly, don't bash me, listeners, if I get this wrong. But Isaac Cappy was an individual who, quote unquote, committed suicide. But before he did, he was outing the elite saying that they were filled with pedophiles in the industry and named all these people like Tom Hanks and Oprah and all these individuals Ooh. saying that they raped a whole bunch of kids and all that stuff. Mm. And then he was, quote-unquote, suicided. So ah. we, he, we'll, we'll add him to the list. I don't think he's on the list, but we'll definitely add him. Suicided. Thank you, Sweaty Balls, for the five stars and for the love. We love you. And Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yep. All right. This next one is from P Rock BHH. It was left on March 28th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads great podcast and interesting topics. They go on to say, I really enjoy the level of insight, thoughts, and humor from you guys that presented in pretty much every episode. Thanks for making my grinding experience on JRPGs on my PS4 not feel so monotonous. Keep up the great work. Thank you, P Rock BHH, for the five stars. And uh, I'm glad we could be right there with you as you do your quests on your JRPGs on your PS4. Farming them items to make the ultimate weapon or something like that. Yeah, you keep farming and you listen to us if you want, no pressure, but it's greatly appreciated. And know that we're always there cheering you on. And you fucking, you do that quest. You gather those four apples and kill those five boars and you collect that skin or skin. And you collect that nice mace, that new mace to add onto your character, and you level up. That's right. Yeah. But thank you, P-Rock. You're awesome. So this next one is from Sith Sense, left on March 29th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads a radical. They go on to say, this is hands down my favorite podcast. They all have great chemistry and it's constantly evolving. Love it. Thank you, Sith Sense. You're amazing. Yeah. And thank you for the five stars and the love. I'm glad we could provide you with some entertainment. Yeah, thank you. So this next one is from Corey95, left on April 3rd. It is five stars with a subject line that reads, my favorite new podcast. They're going to say, just found y'all, and I love y'all's podcast. Heart emoji. Thank you, Corey95, for the five stars, for the love. We love you. Much love. Yeah, much love. All right, the last one, the last review was left on April 4th, and it is from iRuben. And it is five stars. The subject line that reads, great podcast. They go on to say, I came across this podcast after being caught up with all my paranormal shows. And I took a chance and listened. I was not disappointed. 
It has been a couple of months and is now one of my new favorite shows. I went back and listened to past episodes, and now I look forward to each new episode. Thank you guys for all you do. Stay safe, stay healthy. Your faithful follower, Reptilian Ruben. Reptilian Ruben. Nice. Thank you, Rep- Reptilian Ruben, for the five stars. Thank you for the love. Um, I'm, I'm honored to hear that we're one of your new uh, favorite podcasts. We'll continue throwing these episodes out, and we'll continue trying to do what we can do, you know? And if it's not too personal, so, can we see your tail? Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Yep, so that's all the ratings, reviews. It's all the voicemails. We'll do some quick uh, shout-outs real quick. Um, Let me see. I'll, I'll do Instagrams first. I want to give a shout-out to um, Chipper Atlanta, Jessica Cecilia, Hermit, Tex nine Sydney Leo four it's Huff Lucky Breeze three eighty one Erica Bone Danny Gibson Prometheus Prime Jason likes tattoos all my friends are brainwashed Mackenzie Ray Brad zero seven nine four Chemical Eva Zach Attack Tennille Chapman Chade Chezer J Horse Chief and Turlof Tur Turlel Loaf. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not, but I want to give all you guys a shout out. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. And uh, keep sending your messages on Instagram and I'll respond as quickly as I can. Right now, I think I've got, I don't know, 30 or 40 new messages I have to review and go over. And all of them, for some reason, get sent to spam. But yeah, thank you everybody for the love and support and um, keep sending your good stuff in. Definitely. You got any Twitter shout outs or anything on Twitter? No, we did get a bunch of followers. When I say a bunch, probably like a handful, but nothing too exciting. So I encourage people to tweet at me, say something, insult me. Notice me, senpai. Notice me, senpai. Notice me. So another thing, too, I wanted to say something about the Facebook messaging. We are super backed up on the Facebook messages. Backed up so much that we're a month behind on the Facebook messages response. I think right now there's a auto response on Facebook. So if you've got, if you message us, you've got like this, let us read over this message and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. I'll start taking over those messages and start responding to them. So I'm just going to let you know your message has not been, uh, has not fallen on deaf ears. We will respond to your Facebook messages as well. So with that being said, I apologize for no Facebook shout-outs this week, and I love you. Just know that. We love you all. Yep. So that's the end of the episode. You got anything you want to say before we wrap her up? Uh, stay safe out there. Keep uh, doing the social distancing. Don't hang out in too big of crowds. No coughing, sneezing on people. You know, practice good hygiene shit. I suggest the same. Uh, I wanted to thank everybody for listening to us today. Practice your social distancing. Practice your love with one another as well. If you want to reach out to us, you can go to our social medias or you can go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com and leave a voicemail with us and we will review it. And with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? It's okay, guys, to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone.